It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some fast. Third down and five on the 25. Wilson back to pass. Crosby in his face. Grabs Wilson around the shoulders and swings him down at the 34. Crosby with his second sack of the game. And the Raiders defense gets a stop. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. The intercept wine is incredible. Obviously, the Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, our choice here on the flagship of the Raiders. And Chris, who represents Charles Woodson, I hung out with him at the game last night in Los Angeles, and we talked about Woodson Bourbon Whiskey and our proud partnership. Here, remember, whenever you're looking for whiskey, if they don't have it, you got to let us know. So it could be a bar, it could be a casino hotel, it could be anywhere. If you ask for Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, you're doing Charles Woodson, your guy, a favor. Then you get it to us. Well, you tweet it out, and then we can talk to the people behind the scenes and get it in here. That's how it works here in Vegas. Uh, just about an hour before the show, or maybe 20 minutes before the show, Coach gave me a few minutes to talk about what happened last night as the Raiders lost to the Rams. Head Coach Josh McDaniels joins us. Coach, let's begin. You get off to an early start, a 7 nothing lead early in the first. What was working there, giving you confidence that you could stay with that game plan? Yeah, we, uh, you know, I thought we found some some things in the running game. Used a couple of the end arounds and the reverses there with Hollins. I thought that was, you know, a good changeup for us. And then uh, obviously Derek hit Devontae on the big third down play down the sideline, which I thought was a great, you know, great play by the two of them. But um, you know, always good to get off to a good start. You know, converted on some third downs, then we're able to punch it in down there on the goal line and felt good about the way that we began the game. The interception at the end of the half. Walk us through that play, a really important yeah. point of the game with yeah. momentum. What happened there? Yeah, we, we tried to take the last shot. You know, we were kind of methodically trying to get it down the field. I think we started the drive with about five minutes to go. And so we were, we were trying to accomplish what we, we set out to do and then had the third and four down there. I think there was a little bit of push in the middle of the pocket. And I don't think Derek could really see Devontae uh, on the left side. And then I think he, hit, you know, he just got bumped as he threw the ball and the ball kind of fluttered in the air. And obviously that was a big play in the game. So you get to halftime, your message there. You know Baker Mayfield, they're going to yeah. try to throw more mm-hmm. in the second half. What were you alerted to? What were you concerned about coming out yeah. in the second half? Just, uh, you know, being sensible about, you know, them taking some shots down the field. Uh, you know, I thought we had played decent defense up to that point. You know, try to contain their running game, contain some of their edge plays that they like to use. Um, and I thought for the most part we did that. So we figured that it would be a little bit more of a passing half, uh, especially if we could extend the lead at all. And um, you know, and give them credit. You know, they were able to make a couple critical plays in critical situations uh, to really, you know, keep drives alive and ultimately score enough points. We're still in, you know, tape turnaround just happening here, but with Devontae not getting a reception in the second half, what'd they do well? What should have been done to try to counter that, getting him open more? Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes they do things that, you know, can, can kind of force the ball other places. But I thought also some of our execution wasn't, um, you know, across the board. You know, passing the ball is a complimentary thing. The protection's got to be there. The blitz pickup's got to be there. The routes, reading the coverages, all of it's got to work together in tandem. And I didn't think we were as sharp as maybe we could have been on some things to, to be able to provide us with more opportunities, not just to Devontae, but to other people as well. So 16-10 late in the game, you got a third and short, and Josh gets stopped. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting this year, there's been so many explosive plays with him, mm-hmm. but also moments where he couldn't get that yard, and yeah. you're trying hard. Yeah. How frustrating is that, knowing you have the back and the O-line yep. on a critical point? when you need that first down yeah it was frustrating um you know that's the game right there you know we convert that uh the game's over and uh 
you know, we didn't do a very good job of executing in a critical situation. And uh, in order to win close games in this league, that's what you have to do. You have to execute in all three phases uh, to put teams away. And uh, again, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. And with the punt, the punt was spectacular. So that's the right call, obviously, at that Mm -hmm. point in the game. Take me through that kick, and when you down it there, mm-hmm. the team's pretty excited there. You got yeah. them where you want. Yeah, I mean, we asked A.J. to put it towards the sideline. Um, you know, because at that point, you just want to try to limit the return opportunity. So they have a dangerous returner in Powell, and so we kicked it to the sideline. I thought he did a great job of placing the ball near the, near the white. Uh, we were fortunate that it stayed in and then took a big roll for us, and our guys were down there and let it roll all the way till it stopped. And so we took some clock off and then put them at the two-yard line, and uh, again, we need to. There was multiple opportunities in that drive. I thought for us to really uh, make some critical plays to finish the game, and you know we had a couple penalties, which is never good in that situation to extend the drive, and gave up a couple uh, big ones down the sideline too. I, I know what you preach with mental mistakes and penalties. We all know that when that yeah. happens, a big mental mistake on an unsportsmanlike conduct. How do you correct that going forward? That yeah. shouldn't happen. No. It happened. It was a critical point of the game. How do you coach that going forward? Yeah, just everybody's got to be smart. I mean, that's we want to be a tough, smart team. And, um, you know, for the most part, I think we've been very tough. And, and smart to me means eliminating mistakes like that that we have control over. And so uh, the play was over, you know, when Max had the sack there, you know, made it second and 20 or whatever it was, clock's running. Uh, everything is kind of in our favor at that point. And so really the right thing for us to do is get back, you know, to the line of scrimmage and get ready to play the next down, you know. There's nothing, there's nothing good that's going to come from us engaging in anything extracurricular after the play, and uh, we'll try to you know, show, the, show the team and teach it again. Your defense plays really hard. Your entire team plays hard. So when, once they get past the 50, with the game winding down, your mm-hmm. coverage and the calls there at the end, mm-hmm. press coverage, what was the call on that on the final touchdown? Yeah, you know, we, we, had, you know, we were trying to get on them tight. So you know, make the completions if they're going to throw it to somebody a little tougher than, uh, you know, than giving them an opportunity to kind of you know, survey his own defense at that point. And um, you know, just, you know, they, they played it a little bit better than we did. You know, I'd like to stay uh, as tight as we can to them and on top of it if possible. And um, you know, they made a play in that situation, obviously, uh, that that we need to we need to be able to execute a little bit better. We've seen how your teams reacted coming off some really heartbreaking losses. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the Patriots next week. What yep. was the message in the locker room, and what are you trying to do before a little bit of time off here? Yeah, respect how much each play factors into the result. You know, that's really the the message. Um, everybody's going to look at the last drive or the last sequence. You know, offense, defense, etc. But there's a lot of plays that go into the result and, and what determines the outcome. And so um, we're going to see plays in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter that could have impacted the game and changed the game. Um, and so we just have to respect how important each play is. So, you know, play it, you know, the best we can, do our job the right way, as many plays as possible. And we'll take some of these close games and hopefully we can turn them in our favor and possibly get away from somebody and, and stop playing so many nail biters here at the end where, we, where it comes down to one or two plays in the fourth quarter. Thank you, Coach. Yep, you got it. All right, Josh McDaniels on what happened, especially with the coverage on the last play. You know, I don't agree with the coverage. I thought that the corners should have been lined up at the five on that last play. You know, you just can't play press coverage with an inexperienced corner. Who gave up that touchdown? That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to make him work for it there. No safety help. Safeties can't be everywhere there. But, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to take a shot. Uh, you know, you want to see those corners have a little bit more help with their inexperience here. 
And the inability to cover is what costs this team. If you look at the biggest weakness of the Raiders there the entire season, what is it? Not the kicking game. It's not the punter. It's usually not the quarterback. Usually. The quarterback, the running backs having a Pro Bowl year. They're the best defense, uh, defensive end in the sport. What's the weakness of the team? The weakness of the team is they can't cover. Their linebackers can't cover to a NFL level of being successful. And the corners, because they're banged up and injuries and hurt. Nate Hobbs got beat on a big play on that final drive. You know, they said it. It was all over. He got mossed on a big play there. You know, you like Nate Hobbs. He's a building block player on this team. He's not going to make every play. That was a costly completion late in the game as Baker was zipping it all over the ballpark, zipping it and throwing the ball the way he can. That night last night saved Baker's career, saved his career, because if he doesn't get a shot with the Rams, someone else will give him a shot. Out to Nick in San Jose. Nick, appreciate you being patient. Go ahead. Well, thank you for saying that, JT. First of all, I am thankful that you are the voice of the Raiders and your passion is seeing you at the tour. Well, I'm not the voice of the Raiders, Jason well, Horowitz. You know is. I mean. We just I know, I appreciate you. Is, I, I know, yeah. but, yeah, you know what I mean. but I just listened to McDaniels, and, and first of all, you've got to get rid of uh, Clee Farrell like you did Abrams. Hmm. That offside at fourth and three, they brutal. were going to punt the ball. Brutal. But look, you've got to get rid of him today. Get rid of him! You need accountability, JT. Get rid of him. He is not a winner, number one. Number two, I will try and calm down. Um, that third and one reminded me of the snow game, the tuck rule game. You know, we needed mm. one yard back then. There might not have been a Brady. They might have gone back to Bledsoe. You know, we needed one yard. And I know, I don't want to say you're an apologist for McDaniel. He's the coach. He's going to be the coach next year. But third and run, you, you, you don't give the ball to Devontae Adams there, and you run a set with Devontae No, 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 no. Here's why. Here's why you don't. Because all you guys want to do is hand it off to Josh on third and one. I oh, sat here all, all I sat here all year. I sat here all year. I host the post game. And all you want to do is hand the ball off to Josh. Because when they don't, you call me and say, no, Oh my God, it's third and one, fourth and one. Why didn't we just run it up the middle and get a first down? What I'm saying, what I'm saying is put that beast of a Brit, the two sixty uh, Johnson as a fullback. Don't put Jacobs as a fullback. You won the game in Seattle because of that. Okay? I just don't get it. And you know what? I listened to McDaniel's interview with you. Why did you get the ball to Adams in the second half, even if it's a motion play? You get him the ball. So, look, I'm going to ask you one question, JT. Mm, I sure. beg you to answer it, please. Yep. Okay? You got Brady out there. He won't be at Tampa next year. Mm. You can maybe get Rodgers. Do you really believe, please answer the question, do we stick with Carr? We could get out of him three days after the Super Bowl. You're going to be stuck with McDaniels. I wish Versace is back, but you can't turn back the clock. Do you stick with Carr, or do you get Brady and reunite him with McDaniels, or do you get Devontae and Rodgers together and give up the farm? I just, what do you think? Please answer it, please. Yeah, I, I will answer it. I think that that's going to be a decision, a serious decision that they're going to make. You know, I work here for the team. I work with the quarterback. We don't get him on the radio anymore, but, you know, I'm cordial with him. I saw him at the game. I see him here. We nod to each other. I think I've been really good to him on the radio for nine years, hosted a show in the Bay Area, and I think that that's going to be, if you're asking me today as I'm sitting in the building, do you think they should get it rid of Carr? I would not answer that, nor would I, nor should I here because there's a number of games left. Now, if you ask me at the end of the season, as we're floating to that deadline and knowing what I'm seeing now the rest of the year, yeah, I think they're going to look towards all those options 
and potentially make an upgrade at the quarterback. Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. He is not elite. We've said that from day one. If they're able to get an elite quarterback, Mike Mayock told me that on the air. They evaluate the position all the time. So if there are elite quarterbacks available and the Raiders can go get an elite quarterback who's better than Derek and he's available and it makes sense to Dave Ziegler, yeah, the problem is Dave Ziegler has got to find out how to handle the budget that he has going forward in the cap space. With the quarterback, not bringing him back, the cap hit, what happens going forward. We all know Derek's contract situation. Also, Devontae, if you're going to get a new quarterback, do you get a young one? Devontae might not want it, depending on what receivers are here. So it's a very difficult question. My gut feeling tells me it's going to be a decision that comes right down to the wire here with the head coach and the quarterback. And as I sit here today, I don't have tremendous confidence that Derek is going to be released or come back. But I'll tell you the one guy who's prepared to make that decision is Dave Ziegler. Dave Ziegler at some point will make that decision with confidence. He'll bring back Derek because he thinks it's smart with the contract as he's trying to build the rest of the team back. Or he'll go big and take a big swing because he took a big swing with Devontae. So, again, I know you, want, uh, you would love me to sit here on the radio in the building and say, cut Derek Carr tomorrow. I'm not going to do it. Can't do it. And uh, I think Derek's got, Derek's got to prove here in the last couple of weeks, and he's reacted in the past well to being ready and leading the locker room and doing all that. But, you know, I'm very critical of the performance by Derek yesterday. Very critical of it. Because I thought that Derek could have won the game easily if he just got the ball to Devontae and everybody else. And I asked the coach, what happened with Devontae in the coverage? I asked the coach to his face, not on Twitter in a direct message, to his face about what, why did Devontae Adams get shut out in the second half? What did they do? How come you weren't able to do it? That's all I can do. 702-365-9200. Lester in the Bay Area. What's happening, Lester? Hey, JT. Yeah, that's tough listening to uh, the post game, uh, Coach McDaniel. That's tough listening to basically – you know, he's saying, oh, yeah, he, he was outcoached without saying it. You know, he was outcoached by Sean McVay in the second half. I mean, a lot of issues with this game when it comes to the mental – it's just two words that describe this game, utter, utterly dumb, okay? You know that you can't make dumb mistakes in critical situations. These guys are pros, all mm-hmm. right? Besides Coach McDaniels and his play calling being pretty much unimaginative and you can't get first downs in critical situations is ridiculous. But the other thing is that how – I mean, the first half, Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr played utterly bad yesterday, okay? He's going to be evaluated at the end of the year, okay? But you can't turn the ball over when you need points no matter what at the end of the first half. Mm -hmm. It's not the first time we've seen this this year from this football team, okay? Do not turn the ball over. He should know better, okay? And then, like the previous caller, I'm all over Cleveland Farrell. Cleveland Mm -hmm. Farrell's had his chances. He's a bust. He needs to not be on this football team anymore. He needs to be out of Vegas, Okay. He's had his chances, mm-hmm. not going to be on this team after the end of this, this year anymore for making dumb penalties in certain situations. Fourth and three, and you jump off sides when you're, you're, your defense worked hard to get the ball back, and you're giving the ball back mm-hmm. to the Rams when you need the possession? Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, Hillary that, that, that could close he, out the game. That was another possession for the Raiders that would have closed Absolutely. out the game. The Tillery, uh, I, it, we've been all over Tillery today. I feel for the guy. Yeah. I feel for the guy. He's a good player. He's, he's done really well since he came here, and he made a blunder and a mistake that you can't even describe. I mean, you lose your jobs for doing that. This is a multi-billion dollar business. 
hundreds of millions of dollars, millions of dollars are the outcome of every single game. You cannot make mistakes like that. So I'm not arguing with you here. I don't know yeah. what, what, what happens with the depth of this well, team, I, who they can bring up, yeah. but I'm not arguing with you on that one. No, I think Tillery, without a doubt, he has a lead. He just joined the team. That was a dumb mistake. They need to be talking to these guys, but a lot of guys will be evaluated. Patrick Graham, I don't know what he's doing again, going back to man coverage on the 23-yard line. He did that stuff earlier in the year. Yeah. In red yeah. zone plays, you want the man coverage, you got beat bad. What are you doing? I mean, the situational play calling, the situational awareness, the lack of discipline in a short week. I mean, playing not to lose the game again, McDaniels? Absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Cut Clinton Farrell today. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot for checking in. 702-365-9200 if you want to call in. Again, there are going to be decisions made and ramifications from this game. From this game, there's going to be ramifications about who's here, and that could be coaches too. Could be staff, could be members of the coaching staff, I would assume, because you can't lose games like this the way they lost. But those are decisions made much higher up than I am hosting the radio. And again, I don't get in front of people's jobs until they leave. I never get in front of people's money. Obviously, I never get in front of a player's money. That's something I've been saying for 26 years. 702-365-9200 as we continue. Nick's in Livermore, California. Thanks for waiting. Nick, ahead. Hey, JT. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you. Um, there's there's tons of blunders in the game why they lost the game. But one thing I want to go back to is the first touchdown the Rams scored when they when they went to review and they showed the review and it was clear the Akers didn't get get in and then they gave mm-hmm. him the touchdown anyhow. And then the last touchdown of the game where Van Jefferson catches it in the corner of the end zone and every review that they played after that, they cut away when he rolls over when the ball breaks free. So both those touchdowns weren't even touchdowns. So, again, we had to beat the refs. Yeah, refs were awful. Refs killed us in that game, but we look like it's just we're just crying about it, and the fans all think the Raider fans are crying about it. But all I'll say is this. The holding by the secondary is fair. The Raiders hold a lot. They get beat all the time. But the holding on Max Crosby, there should be the, the lead official behind the quarterback should be looking at the holding against Max Crosby. And that, to me, is the key. How many times can you miss a hold on Mad Max Crosby? How many times can you miss a hold in the end zone on Mad Max Crosby? He might be the best defensive player in the league. You can't act like you don't see it. I completely agree. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. I I don't know what to do. If you sit there and you complain about the refs, the coaches don't. The coaches don't. You know, the fans do that. I do it occasionally here. The refs have a hard job, but... The holding on Max Crosby is so obvious that all you got to do is throw the flag. And if they throw it in the end zone, Baker's fading back in the end zone, Max is held, that's a safety, game's over. Tillery, the sack Max had, game's over. Plenty of times. But the soft coverage, Baker threw a couple of balls, out passes, the one that beat Hobbs, and then the game-winning touchdown. Just absolute guys getting beat. Guys getting beat, and this defensive secondary has been beat up for most of the year. Not every game. They've had a couple of good games, especially during the winning streak. But I think everybody understands that this defense, there'll be a massive overhaul. Massive, because they need smarter players who can step up and make better plays. We're brought to you by Resorts World. So a couple announcements with Resorts World. We'll be at Red Tail. That's their interactive sports gaming bar. Great place next Friday. So I'm doing a rare remote from Resorts World, which I'm excited about, with several of our partners, including Resorts World. So it's going to be great. 
So we've got Remy Martin, who's in the building, Modelo. It's going to be a trifecta for us. So that's next Friday, noon to 2. Come out for that. It'll be a good crowd. There's always a great crowd at Resorts World. Resorts World's got great restaurants, unbelievable gaming. Doghouse Saloon is where I'll be back for Monday Night Football. Right around the corner, our last Monday night. Well, we got two more Monday Night Footballs left. We'll do one in the playoffs. But next Friday, the 16th, at Red Tail. And then we'll be at Monday Night Football on the 19th. So please come on out to Resorts World and everything that they got going there. Enchant. We were out there for a big party for the president of Resorts World's birthday party. And my wife and I were out on the balcony. And they had fireworks for Scott Sabella over that beautiful vision of Enchant. That snow world that's out there with all the trees. It's fantastic. So head on out to Resorts World and come see us. we got multiple opportunities for you to do that in the next couple of weeks. So we got Chris Matthews coming up from 8 News Now. He's driving back from L.A. I think he's in a good spot to hear the show. And Vic Tafer. Vic Tafer, who is locked into Argentina. Uh-oh. I wonder what that's going to sound like. As I'm trying to keep an eye on that one, and Bobby's giving me an update on that. Oh, I got the Raider. I got the Raiders holiday party tonight, which I'll be with bells on. Happy to be here with the team in the building on the radio today. I mean, you know, we thought we had a good. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened. You know, I mean, in the in the scrum of the game at that point, I haven't. I didn't get any communication relative to what was said or what was done. Um, but you know, thought we had him in. I want to believe it was second and long at that point. It was a first down play. You know, had the sack, second and long. Um, you know, you like your you like your chances at that situation. You know, you know you're gonna, they're going to go for it on fourth down, so they still have three downs to do it, but. To give up a first down in that situation, obviously, that's not an ideal scenario. Uh, again, I don't know exactly what happened, so, um, you know, I'll have to talk, to talk to JT. Well, that's not this JT. That was Tillery who made that mistake. That kind of cost him the game. You can blame it on the whole team. You could look at individuals. Uh, Cleveland Farrell jumping off sides, which took away two minutes of the Raiders having a possession. And what happened there in that play, which was mind-blowing. Chris Matthews and Ron Futrell both driving back from Los Angeles through the desert. I know that ride well. I know you left when there was little to no traffic. How far from home are you, Chris? <laughs> well, right now I can see the uh, M Resort where you do all your pre-game and post-game shows. I just get a glimpse of it right now, so we're about... 10 miles outside. All your years covering sports, being on the sideline of games, being on the court for big college games and programs, where do you rank that with the 16-3 to lead and how it fell apart and the game went south on the Raiders? That has to be right at the top of all the things that you see in sports, how something has to happen, something bad has to happen for one team, for the other team to win. And that this is right near the top. When you think about it, you can even go back. You mentioned the uh, – the jumping off sides, but let's even go back before that when uh, Derek Carr inside the 15-yard line, when they're going to come away with, for sure, three points from Daniel Carlson, then he throws the interception in the end zone, which would have given the Raiders that, that those needed three points, they, they, they would have won the game, if, if you, you look at it that way. So there were so many things in that game that went wrong, that did go wrong, that cost them it. It was crazy. that Even go before that, the, the game-winning drive, go before that when the uh, – 
the Rams milked a 17-play drive, and it was like a nine-minute drive that uh, that ate up the clock, uh, and then the three punches into the uh, into the uh, uh, line of scrimmage with Josh Jacobs with three minutes to go to take it down. I mean, there's so many things in that game that drive you nuts that uh, it, it has to rake right near the top of disappointments for a Raiders fan. By the way, um, Baker Mayfield hadn't played in a game since November 20th. You, you go back to November 20th, and he's out on the field. I had to shoot the game, by the way, yesterday. He's out on the field prior to the game in Rams sweatshirts, uh, headbands, and you think, well, if this guy's going to play, well, the second series, he comes in. His very first pass in the second series, a 21-yard completion. This guy was unbelievable yesterday, and, and the Raiders paid the big price. Chris Matthews, Ron Futchell, driving back from Los Angeles. Chris, another one for you before Ron. When I looked at what happened with Baker Mayfield warming up, we had J.B. Long on. He's the voice of the Rams, and he's the voice of the Rams, and he didn't know. I'm dead serious. He didn't know. He looked me right in the eye and said, I don't know, and he didn't start. Baker didn't start, but they went to him early, and then he played great down the stretch, down two scores and getting those two scores you were down there. The ball was coming out smooth. He was composed in the pocket. But the big thing I wanted to mention with you, I'm sure you saw his body language. When he completed a pass, he ran. He didn't walk. Ran to the line of scrimmage, patted his teammates on the back, got back in the huddle, and got the play in quickly. Yeah, when you look at this guy here, here's a guy that 48, he had been in town for 48 hours. Doesn't know the names, doesn't know the plays, probably has a, a small little book of plays. Uh, doesn't know the schemes, um, and, and then here he goes out and does that. You could just sense the enthusiasm, the excitement on this guy. When he, I, I, like I say, I had to shoot the game, so I'm right down there. You could feel the confidence. Completes a couple of early passes, starting to feel good about himself, and then that big long drive. You could just no, he, he well, he's done it before. That's why he's the Heisman winner. You could just sense right then. Hey, I got this. We're going to go out and win this game, and sure enough, he did. All right, Chris, you were there in Los Angeles. I haven't had a lot of time to spend comparing Allegiant to SoFi. I was blown away by SoFi. To me, it was almost too big to navigate. It was my first time there. I was at the top. I was in the locker room. I was everywhere, club sections with the fans, and it's just a monstrosity. What would you think again throughout the course of the game? There were a lot of Raider fans there. I know you were talking to them throughout the game. What do you think of SoFi, and what's a fair comparison to Allegiant? You know, we were talking about, Ron and I were talking about on the way back here, we were driving down thinking, you know, you compare these two stadiums. Ron went walking around the entire, all three levels of the thing and down on the field. And I said, you know, the thing I really like about Allegiant Stadium, it, it holds the 65. It feels compact. It feels like a complete, solid home kind of deal where, where SoFi is so big. It's impressive for L.A., though. I, you know, I like it with L.A. and all that, but it would never work in Las Vegas, ever work in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I like the feel. I like the energy that, that Allegiant Stadium has. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was loud in there yesterday with the Raider Nation, and I, it was probably 75-25 silver and black. They were everywhere. In fact, Ron was mentioning that uh, it was probably hard for the production crew mm-hmm. to go out and find a little pocket of Rams fans. That's how many Raider fans were in there. Hey, Ron, what do you think? You've been to a lot of great stadiums. You've covered sports for a long time at the highest level in this town. You're just big picture of a 16-3 to lead for the Raiders with the season on the line and how Baker Mayfield was able to score, especially on that final drive. 
I'm going to call it a, a collapse of biblical proportions. I know the plague of locusts was pretty bad at the time uh, for the pharaoh back in what I read about back in uh, Egypt in the day. Uh, that was that was pretty tough. Um, you know, the rivers turning to blood and the frogs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to just go. Am I overstating that by saying this is a collapse of biblical? <laughs> I, I did not break out the Bible today. I did not. But the okay. show still has 20 minutes to go. Yeah, yeah. Go, go some Old Testament stuff, okay? Um, but it no. Well, it's it's been the Raider season has been a, a season of collapses. Four of them now, and that is since uh, I think Chris said the number 1930 since uh, NFL team has lost double digit leads in the second half uh, four times four times during the season and then the 92 yard drive at the end was just um, uh, 90, sorry I said 92 98 yard drive with a minute 45 left I've got a car full by the way I don't want Vegas people to know if they're interested in Baker Mayfield jerseys Rams jerseys number 17 if anybody wants buy him fast because he probably won't be with the team for very long um, but but it works it, it works to the Raiders demise to regroup and see if they can just hold out for a winning season. You know, that, that they still have that hope that they can have a winning record this season. They can do that. We'll see if they can play for pride. Those three wins were fun to see what they got, but this turned it, turned it all backwards. Hey, Chris, I want to get credit because you're going to come up with this new podcast with you and Ron in the car, and you're just going to drive around Vegas for about 28 minutes, 30 minutes. You do the podcast in the car. You just turn on a camera. You have the audio up. You have a mixer in the back, and you guys just talk sports, and we'll put it up in podcast form. (laughs) That might be a fun and profitable uh, idea if we can get some of your big-time sponsors to help us out as well. Well, good to have you back home. Wave to us as you're going by the facility, and I'll talk to you guys over the weekend. Thanks for doing this. All right, thanks, JT. All right, take care, Ron. Take care, Ron. Ron Futrell and Chris Matthews, two of the great newsmen in the history of this town, including Dana Wagner, who's a frequent guest, Vin Sapienza, who's in the other room, right across from me with Eric Allen, doing the press conference show, Kevin Bollinger, who we have on the show often. So we like to get the newsmen and women in town on the show and get their opinion on what's happening. Here's the deal. Argentina, Netherlands. Vic Tafer is a huge Argentina fan, so uh, we might just let Vic go and finish the game and do all that. So I'm going to open up the phones here because they're never closed. And if you'd like to get in before we end this, uh, give us a call now and we'll get you right up in the next 20 minutes. Uh, 702-365-9200. Look, I know what you think of the game. I know how upset you are, but I'd like to not so much look at the positives. It's not a positive day. This is not a positive day. But what the Raiders are now looking at going forward because they need a lot of help, and they didn't need a lot of help if they won this game. If they won this game, they controlled their destiny. I think they would beat New England to get to 7-7. Seven and seven. How do they react after this loss with extra time off? We know that New England's going to play Arizona, and then they're going to come to Vegas. They're staying out west. I believe that they're going to train at the University of Arizona. So that's what I heard. So they're coming out here for two weeks. Remember, they came out to Vegas in the preseason, right, for camp. They had those dual workouts and all that and stayed out here for a while. Belichick went to UFC with Dana White. He was around town. So they're going to stay out in Arizona before they come here to Vegas and try to cut down on the travel. Bob in Covina, California. You're up next. Hello, Bob. Hey, JT. How's it going? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. I was actually at the game yesterday and I seen you uh you're walking out the field I told you what's up you turned around I was wearing the white Josh Jacobs jersey but anyways 
I got two things I want to go over. Mm-hmm. First, I, I think our, the main issue with our losses uh, yesterday comes down to coaching. Mm-hmm. McDaniel should have been a little bit more aggressive on the play calling. That's one thing. But Graham, he needs to be fired. Press coverage with 15 seconds left. Our defense has took, took a step back since he's taken over. He needs to go at the end of the season because McDaniel is not going to be fired because he's owed so much money from the year. So we're, we're going to be with him for a couple of years. But Patrick Graham needs to be fired immediately when the season ends. One more thing, Derek Carr, big Derek Carr supporter, always been a Derek mm-hmm. supporter, except for this year. Nine seasons, only two winning seasons, no playoff wins. That interception he threw was horrible. He just, just took the sack. We have three points. At the end of the season, we need to take a very good look at what we're going to do with Derek Carr. We could trade, get good trade value for him. We could probably get what the Rams got for Matthew Stafford for him. So that being said, we need to make a decision on what we're going to do with this young man. Um, nine, nine seasons, like how, how, how much longer are we going to give him? He, he's not a bad quarterback, but he needs everything to be perfect. Put him on the Jets. They got a great defense. He'll, he might win them the Super Bowl. There's teams that will give up two first-rounders for him, and we have a lot of holes on defense we need to fix, on the whole team we need to fix. So we need to take a look at that and get some draft capital, and it might be time to move on from Derek Carr, JT. I appreciate you taking my call, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Look, look, this is a tough time for Derek. Derek's very accountable, too. Uh, Derek goes in front of the media, and it's just been brutal for him with these losses. And I think that Derek is going to grow from this. He has in the past. He's lost a lot of close games. And he's won a lot of games with epic fourth quarter comebacks. But this one was unacceptable on every level because they were up 16-3. to We can't use the excuse, not that it was, but we heard a lot of people say, you know, we got to know how to finish. you got to finish. you got to learn not to lose. Okay, we heard that all year. Heard that all year. That didn't stop Cleveland Farrell for jumping off sides. It didn't stop Tillery for an unsportsmanlike conduct. It didn't stop the pass interferences. All that continues to happen. So we know they're preaching to fix it, and these games are close. This season you will remember the rest of your life as the season where the Raiders could have had eight or nine wins and they blew double-digit leads all season long. Multiple times they had games that should have been over nine times out of ten and found a way to lose. How do you coach that? How do you teach it? What do you do with personnel? Those are all big decisions for the guys upstairs here. And I trust they'll make the right decisions here. But there's more football left with these final four games. I really thought if they won four in a row, it would have been five in a row against the Patriots, six in a row against Pittsburgh. I don't know what the loss does to this team here. This was as tough of a loss as I've ever seen, ever seen in the regular season in Raiders history from back to Oakland. I wasn't there for L.A., but right here to Vegas. A gut-punching loss, and there's been a few of them this year. All right, let's fill the phones one more time before we get out of here. End on a positive note as I walk out of this building here. And we have the weekend with no football on Sunday. I know I could use a break. Hopefully you take advantage of the break, do some holiday shopping, and do whatever you need to do. We're brought to you by the 872 Laborers led by Tommy White. They are building all over town, and they built the Legion Stadium on time, on budget, and safely. That beautiful stadium built with the men and women of the 872 laborers. JT, final segment. Let's rip a few more phone calls and get this out of our system. And have a great weekend, everybody.
This drive started on their own two-yard line. And it's on the Raiders 23 for a second and 10. Shotgun to Mayfield. Fires towards the end zone. Lofted pass. Caught by Jefferson. No way. Van Jefferson beats Sam Webb into the end zone. And the Rams, with nine seconds to go, are an extra point away from stealing one from the Raiders. Jason Horowitz on the call. We're brought to you by Modelo with the fighting spirit. Steve Gomez and the entire team that trust us as a partner. Modelo, I will reward myself with a bucket of Modelo's. I got real quickly here because today was about, it's always about you first, me second. I want to hear from you, the fans. You know the way we ran the show. I had an unbelievable weekend, uh, not weekend, two nights out there. The game was one of the nights the night before. We had a great broadcast dinner with a lot of the people who you who work on the radio, Lincoln Kennedy, our people behind the scenes at Compass Media. So our bosses, we had a beautiful night out in Venice. And then later on that night, I caught up with the owner and Marcel Reese and had a great conversation about Cliff Branch and other things that were happening. That was fun and really cool. Another cool thing I get to do here. And then, you know, being at the hotel, we stayed at the LAX Marriott. There were fans there and had a good morning and got to the stadium early. And we got there around 12.30 for a 5 o'clock start. And we were the last ones out. Well, not the last ones out, but pretty close to that. It was a long day yesterday. Really long day. And then we got home and I was back in bed about 1 in the morning and sitting in the chair with the coach here today at 11 a.m. And it was just, I'm proud to be a part of this at some level, small level, to try to bring you what happens behind the scenes or what happens in the game and get you on the radio to talk about it. So this is a year... I was just talking to someone in the other room before we came back. There will never be a season like this again with the degree of losses. Never. It's impossible. Hasn't happened in 19, since 1960, since the Raiders have started. They've never had a year like this historically with the blown losses of 17 points or more and the one-possession games, the one-possession losses. It's bleeping impossible for that to ever happen again in your entire life. I promise you. I'm a stat guy. I'm a sports guy. This will never happen again. I'm not saying they won't lose more games. They could lo- You're going to have a season, hopefully not anytime soon, where you could lose more games than the Raiders will lose this year, but not at the way they lost them. Not at, with the gut punch. So we're all going through this together. But the players and the coaches get paid to figure it out. And hopefully, I don't know what's going to come out of this. It's too fresh of a wound to wonder about what's going to happen next. So that's why next week we'll have fresh conversations and preview the Patriots. And I got a lot of good juice with some Patriot guests. So we're going to have really good ones next week. Tom Curran, uh, some good play-by-play. We're going to have a lot of good Patriot coverage next week. It's a big game, even though they flexed out of it. Argentina and the Netherlands going to penalties. Oh, my God. Please let Messi win. I mean, nothing against the Dutch, but I want to see Messi. And earlier today, Brazil was eliminated. This is going to be crazy. Uh, Bill in Vegas. Thanks for calling in locally. What's happening, Bill? Hi. How are you doing, JC? Good, thanks. I'll tell you what. I, my, I've been a Raider fan since Frank Ewell Field, mm-hmm. 60 years. And uh, when, when the Raiders in 1980, the Raiders had a two and they were two and three. Pastorini got hurt. So Jim Plunkett was approached by Al Davis, and Al Davis said, "Jim, I'm going to give you a hundred grand 
I want you to come and take my team to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now, the Raiders were down that year. They were not that good. But Al Davis had the heart and the will to win, and he convinced Jim Plunkett and Tom Flores that they could do that. Mm-hmm. And they went on a winning streak. They then won their uh, – they, they came up second in their division. They were a wild card. After that, they, they beat, uh, I think it was the Houston Oilers, mm-hmm. who were supposed to be, beat them. Then they beat the Cleveland Browns. Then they beat the San Diego Chargers, and then we went to the Super Bowl, and we were eight-point underdogs, and we won. And the reason I'm saying all this, Al Davis has to be rolling over in his grave because Al Davis had the will to win and the heart of a team. This team wins every go. They're ahead every halftime. And at the end of the halftime, they come out flat, and they don't. They found their will to win. Those last three games, I was feeling really good. I was at the uh, appreciation uh, thing at the, yeah. at the uh, stadium. stadium, and and I wanted to. Whenever the general manager got up and started talking about consistently winning and having a consistent team, I felt like yelling, "1980, uh, why not now?" The problem we have in this team is that our players their heart is taken away. They're not motivated. We had a guy, the guy that knocked the ball out of his, out of the uh, other guy's uh, quarterback's hand and got the 15-yard penalty. That's an ego problem within that young man. He doesn't feel good about himself, or he wouldn't do that. Yep. He was doing that to feel better. So I say the general management and the coach needs to get the heart, the will to win, Okay. And be a Raider. They are not playing like Raiders right now, and I'm really disappointed. Okay, I've been a appreciate fan the call. I know you have. I got to run. I appreciate it. Your opinion means a lot to me because you've been here since Frank Yule Field. The history of this new building. They have all the archives, all the archives from back then, and it means something. And your call means a lot. A three-one Argentina on penalties so far. This is big. Fish in Berkeley. Wrap up the show. Go ahead, Fish. JT, what a heart-wrenching, heartbreaking loss. But I'm going to fulfill your request. You want some positivity? Well, darn it. I'm going to give you and the nation some positivity. Unrealistic. But you know what? It's okay to be unrealistic because we, the Raider Nation, the greatest nation in the NFL, we are unrealistic fans, meaning we are unrealistically dedicated and motivated. And we love our team. So here we go. Week 13 last week, last year, I called you and gave you the unrealistic prediction we will win four straight. Well, here I am again. Week 13, I'm telling you right now, we're going to win four. And everybody bellyaching right now. You're soft, you're downtrodden, you're hurt. I'm with you, baby, but guess what? We know we're going to look at those scoreboards. We're going to hope that teams lose, and we're going to hope that our team wins because we've been drinking this silver and black Kool-Aid way too long for way too many years. To give up now, I don't give a dare how we feel right now. We're going to put it in the spirit of the team. Four straight. We need teams to lose, and we need to win. Hey, show up, show out, and how to just win, baby, when you go out, Raiders. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. It's going to take a lot. They need a lot of help now. I don't think they needed a ton of help because I thought if the win in L.A. would have been an, not an easy win, but they would have beat the Patriots coming off that much time off and a win. Now we're going to have to see them prove it, and we hope it happens because we'll be live from the torch a week from Sunday for that. 
Meet up Vegas. I'm going to pick up the meat. How about that? Meet up Vegas day for me. Go to meetupvegas.com, code word JT Brick, restaurant quality meat delivered right to your front door or your office. Ten times better than grocery store meat. It's the best of the best. Once you go down this route, you will never go back. Meetupvegas.com, JT Brick is where you get the deal. And I'm getting the deal today because I back up everything I say on the radio partners. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for getting me through this day. And hopefully we help you get through the day. Cue on deck. Good to go? All right, travel safely home.